Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I'm heading down to North Aurora in Illinois, and today I'm actually uh, getting to the opportunity to interview a chiropractic assistant, and she is in our Shifter CA program. Uh, her chiropractor, Dr. Dave Hansen, is a amazing chiropractor and he's in, in the Vitality Shift and, and they're doing some amazing things in their office. And uh, I just wanted to get an opportunity to have a chat with, with uh, a non-chiropractor who's been working in chiropractic, trying to kind of get that vitality message, the life message of chiropractic out to the community and just kind of get her perspective because I think we can always learn from non-chiropractors because we always have our educated mind overflowing with stuff that usually people don't care about. And so sometimes the best thing we can have is have our chiropractic assistants help us to become more uh, relatable to, um, to our practice members or to our patients. So uh, Natasha Rominski, welcome to the call. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. This is so fun. This is awesome. Like in our, in our uh, Shifter CA community, um, uh, you're quite, um, you participate quite a bit and you brought up some excellent points. And so I, I think I'm, I'm excited to dive into your story. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. It should be fun. Okay. So I know you only started your journey into chiropractic about four and a half years ago. And, and I was wondering if you could just maybe tell me first kind of what you knew about chiropractic before and how you discovered chiropractic. Okay. So what I knew about chiropractic before was essentially nothing. <laughs> Um, That's easy. <laughs> yeah, I actually came from, um, I started in, I've always been in practice management of some sort. I uh, actually started in the veterinary world ah. and I managed um, uh, multiple veterinary hospitals. We were acquisition based, so we would just take over for uh, chief of staff that wanted to retire. And then um, I ended up being on the MD, uh, MD side of practice management. Um, so my exposure to chiropractic was pretty limited. Um, I think I just kind of stumbled it more so because I was looking for a career change and I myself was on a personal health journey. So I just started to look for other alternatives and I stumbled into it. Oh, that's cool. And so you've, you've had quite a bit of experience in the past with um, like managing staff and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Is that, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, it's just a very different world though. I was essentially part of a to use the word machine, but a very different machine in my previous life. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is a, uh, was a huge eye opener for me. Um, but as far as like basic skill set, uh, skill set is concerned, yeah, it's pretty translatable. Yeah, because it's kind of like Brandy was, where where a lot of the skills she had are are super translatable. Yeah. Because again, we're dealing with human beings, and really in chiropractic, when we talk about our, you know, in, in a vitalistic chiropractic is the life model. Mm -hmm. It's very universal to everything because. Um, you know, I heard uh, the podcast will have come out just before this podcast, but Dr. Richard McMinn from um, uh, England had a really good saying. And he said, the truth is like a ball and it doesn't matter which way you look at it. It's the same. Right. And so I think that's cool when you have universal principles, you can kind of relate them to a lot of different professions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously your, the, your 
lens changes as you age and as you kind of get new experiences. But absolutely, if your principles are the same, it's pretty it's pretty easy to transfer it to any business. Okay, so so was the first introduction to chiropractic? Were you applying on a job or? Is that how it started? Um, yeah, I was. Um, so previous, I was in practice management for um, a uh, family practitioner, and I was just kind of looking to get out of that world because I found myself essentially disagreeing with certain things. And um, I ended up just kind of blindly handing my resume out to a couple different places that I knew were a little more natural oriented. Uh, and serendipitously, um, Dr. Hansen and Kristen Hansen, his wife, has been, I uh, just finished up interviews. And I had no, I just had no idea they were doing this. And I just kind of walked in. I said, this is, this is what I can do for you. I can work for two days a week. Ha ha ha. And I'm here all the time, but <laughs> I, can work for, I can work for two days a week. And um, if you need help, let me know. And she called me like an hour later and said, come on in. We would love to get you in for an interview. So it was uh, rather serendipitous and just changed the trajectory of my life. So let's, before we get into that, I, I just want to go back a little bit into how you said that when you're working in the medical model that you just sort of had yeah. a disagreement, like, was there, was it just like, was it something that you already learned in the past or was it just kind of like inner nor just going like, this doesn't feel right? It's life's whispers. Um, it was, I would probably say this inner wisdom of some sort. Um, I, because I dealt with the numbers primarily, I got to see exactly, you know, what our P&L looked like and what our revenue sources were. And I started to notice, you know, all the medication we were prescribing and it just, it just didn't sit right with my soul is the only way I could say it. I, and it, it just started to kind of eat with me. And I felt a little bit like a hypocrite because on the flip side, um, I was just trying to, trying to improve my health. And here I was contributing to something that was in my eyes, a little bit anti-health. <laughs> um, right. And let me be very clear. I, I loved my employer. I was in a great setting. So there was nothing really wrong or egregiously unokay, but it just didn't sit well with me. And um, I just started to kind of listen to that, that inner voice that said, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of a large portion of the revenue based on drugs? Uh, in the, um, yeah, in the drugs and labs. And, and yeah. again, labs are useful. They can be used yeah. as a tool. But it was just, again, telling patients what was inherently wrong with them right. all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and the fixer of things, right? And being the fixer or, or trying to fixer of things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So you, you get your interview and, and what was uh, just for fun? Like, what was your experience in the interview? Oh gosh. I remember, I remember afterwards I was just freaking out because I thought, oh my gosh, this just came out of nowhere. I couldn't believe it. But during so, um, obviously, you know, Dr. Dave, and I don't yeah. know if you've met his wife, Kristen, but, um, they're two magnificent people and I don't want to give Dr. Dave too big of a head because he'll do this. <laughs> But um, it was it was kind of like talking to family in a sort of way. I felt actually um, so much less isolated, I think, because of my previous career, just kind of not agreeing with things. I felt like all of a sudden I was understood. And even though I didn't have the language that they did and I didn't fully understand chiropractic, I felt like I was in a place where I could be understood and I had a place to learn. Mm. Whereas I kind of felt like I had hit the, the ceiling kind of in the old position. Um, so they made me feel right at home immediately. Um, they had a really good sense of humor. I'm, I have only gotten this far in life because I have a crazy sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> so they were able to um, work with me with that. And uh, it was just a great experience. And they had, um, they were high school sweethearts in the same school that my son goes to. Uh, <laughs> so it was just, all these things were just kind of connecting together. And I, I knew immediately that I, I wanted to be there. Cool. So when you got in um, and you started working, um, like when you first start to, to hear some of the things about what chiropractic was, like, uh, like what, what did that feel like for you? It 
it felt like I was at home. Um, I didn't, again, I didn't have the language or the full understanding. And even now, I really don't think I have the language or full understanding. It's always a growing process. Yeah. But I felt as if, um, I don't know, it was just, it all made sense to me. It made sense to me. And I felt like I was in a position where I could start to explore areas that I had already had these whispers to that I was finally starting to listen to. Um, yeah. So he gave me, um, especially at the beginning, it was just Dr. Um, Victor Hansen, Kristen, and myself. So he really cultivated an environment of learning and exploration. And uh, it was um, just a, a great, a great beginning. Um, it, if, and for all the overwhelm that you get as a new CA, yeah. that was essentially just kind of put aside because it was just kind of like, all right, we're here to learn. Um, I'm just listened and modeled and listened and modeled. And really, if you put all the gunk aside and all the educational part aside, it's just about connecting with people, which I love to do. Right. So in its simplest form, it just felt natural. Cool. And so at first, when you started, did you ever feel kind of overwhelmed um, when you when you first started uh, working as a CA? Uh, of course. Yes. Um, I'm a, oh, good Lord, sorry. I'm That's okay. Our dog a, barks. Our dog I'm a type A, so I'm a control freak. And um, I don't like not knowing things. <laughs> right. I, so part of, one of my, you know, flaws as a human is I feel like when you don't know something, it's a sign of weakness when in fact it should just be a sign of growth. So I'm working on that. So yes, at the beginning, it was definitely challenging. Um, but I also thrive in exciting environments. I love um, fast paced things. I like being on my toes. I like managing multiple things at the same time. So for me, it was a little more comforting um, and I'm not as um, uncomfortable rather, I should say. So uh, it wasn't too bad, but for not knowing things, I think it was a little bit more difficult for me at the beginning. That's for sure. That's cool. And, and how long would you say it took you to kind of get really comfortable as a CA? Cause I think a lot of times it's a little bit longer than a lot of chiropractors realize when they're first hiring staff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it with the first year, um, well from, let me, there's, I guess a different answer to this. So I think from the practice management part, that part felt, like it came a little more easily just because of my experience. But from the CA perspective, um, I would say somewhere between a year and a year and a half is when I really felt like it was a no brainer. Um, mm -hmm. And I could, in a sense, I kind of felt like, okay, this is my practice now. And I mean, not in a insubordinate sort of way, but really this is my practice now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, uh, so and I think it was probably about a year and a half. And actually also with our other CAs that we've had, it's typically after the year where they start to feel solid and all the just, you know, the procedural stuff and basic language. Mm -hmm. Now, when you, um, and again, from both time when you started and since you've been lately, you've been like hiring staff and helping to train them. Yeah. What, what, what are some of the tools that helped you or uh, people that you've uh, staff that you've trained so far? Like what kind of things are helpful for them to kind of get up to speed? Uh, I'm a huge procedures person. I, <laughs> and actually Kristen, um, is the one that started it, and I've just kind of taken it and it's exploded. Yeah. Uh, we do checklists for everything. Nice. And I cannot say enough about setting your foundation. Um, you can't, you know, get provide exceptional service unless your foundation has been laid. So we do everything with checklists. And not only does it keep you organized, but also from a new CA when you're overwhelmed and you're not sure what, you know, um, the complete picture, it helps you know, you visualize the complete picture. And also uh, it's a good tool to go back to when um, you want to see if you did something correct. So like for the other, uh, for instance, the other day, one of our CAs, she, you know, enrolled a new patient, got the care plan, uh, care plan in and all did all the, you know, the busy work. And then she went back to the checklist 
see if she missed anything. So it's a nice tool for you to set yourself up for, uh, for success. Uh-huh. And so I, systems, I think, are huge. I think they should be done before anything else. I don't think you can provide service without systems. It's just right. like the, the brick that you have to put down before you build the rest of the house. Well, it's so funny because a lot of those things are brand new skills that are being developed, right? And so when you're developing yeah. mm-hmm. brand new skills, it's so easy to default back into old settings. Um, and, and, it will, and again, I think probably just everybody listening to this podcast has probably done that in the past where you try to, to change a habit or or add something new to your routine. Yeah. And if you don't stay regimented on it, which that's why the checklists are nice or something to keep your attention on it, it's so easy just to forget about it. Yeah. And two things too is that with checklists, um, I think it's important to always recognize too that they're malleable. They mm-hmm. should always be changing. If they aren't, then you aren't changing and growing. Right. So we're, we're constantly changing our checklists. So when we fine tune things, um, so making sure it's malleable and also looking at it from a new person's perspective and a new practice member's perspective, because you may, as you look at it through a new practice member's perspective, you may realize, okay, this doesn't really flow that well. It flows well for the back end, but not from the front end. And that doesn't matter if it flows from the back, it needs to flow from the front. Right. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that there needs to be looked at from both perspectives and then also from um, just knowing that it's malleable and it should always be changing because if it's not, then you're stagnant. Totally. Now, I know that you're quite involved with uh, like different events and stuff that you guys put on. And I was just wondering if you could share with the listeners, because we always talk about a lot of chiropractors want to grow um, and and attract maybe some more new people into their office. Um, what kind of things have you done where you've been the driving force? Because this is there's a lot of chiropractors out there always ask, like, how could I get my, my CA or my manager uh, to, to kind of take ownership in events or anything like that? And I was wondering if you had some examples of some of the things that you might have done to help do like either an event or screening or something like that, which helped to draw people into the office? Great question. And actually, this is one of the areas that we are going to be focusing more on. Um, but we have done, uh, you know, certain types of branding events where you're not really there for a return on, you know, an ROI. You're just kind of there to establish brand. We've done um, all sorts of different runs. Um, but as far as like ROI events, it was mostly been um, talks, like health talks. Um, I actually just finished a health talk. I'm talking to teenagers about stress. I did it at like a local, or excuse me, a local uh, youth group meeting. So it was, it was fun. Um, I got to connect with a lot of teenagers. We do a special needs event since we say a very high pediatric population. Yeah. Um, as far as outreach, though, it, if I'm totally honest, most of our new patients come from internal referrals. That is our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to focus more on external, but we are that's just really our bread and butter is internal um mm-hmm. so i've historically just because that's been one of our focuses really focused on that more so than external um right. we've never done a health screening yeah um but i know at some point we'd like to do like lunch and learns things like that and we do partner with external uh like-minded companies so we yeah. have a yoga clinic that we talk with um we have a doula that we work with so we do try to do events with them as well Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. And again, that's amazing because the, the ideal practice does want to be internally generated. Like that's, that's the great, but I know just that there'll be a lot of people listening that there are other students are coming out and you start from zero and you can have the best internal stuff. But if you don't get out of your office, like you need somebody in there <laughs> also to freshen that up a bit too. Right. Cause that, that helps. Correct. Yeah, so there's always going to be a natural attrition rate. Yep. Yeah, totally. So, um, so tell me a little bit about how you've helped, um, with as far as internal, internal referrals and, and, and kind of, uh, generating um, new people from that that realm. <laughs> okay, so I am a I hate to use the word customer service, but I'm a customer service 
crazy person. So I, awesome. I like to go out to eat. I go out to eat all the time. Not all the time, a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> and every, yeah, every time I'm out, I nitpick everything that happens because I'm just amazed at the lack of service out in the world today. And you yeah. can go to any store, right? You can just say, hey, you know, let's just say you're going to like a department store and you want to know, um, do you know if you carry this? And almost every answer you're going to get is, I'm not sure. And then they end right there. Without any help or anything. Right. We'll find out, right? right? So, but this is a very common experience in any sort of customer experience now. Just this lack of responsibility from the um, from the uh, patron side. Uh, people don't feel special. People don't feel connected. They don't feel heard. So, my big thing is um, doing training on any sort of experience that I have. So, if I go out to any dinner and there's anything that happened, I'll explain my experience. The staff will kind of um, help figure out what could have been done better and just bringing those things to light. The one thing I have to say is that a lot of people don't really know what a good experience is because they haven't experienced it, right? You can talk about a five-star hotel all you want, but unless you've stayed there, you're not going to know what that feels like. And a lot of times your staff won't know what that feels like. Right. So really diving into that and or even better yet, taking them somewhere that's with it so they can see what it feels like and smell what it feels like and feel what it feels like so they really understand what it is because you can talk it till you're blue in the face until they really experience that they're not going to know mm -hmm. um so we definitely uh, try to work on um staff training when it comes to that stuff and i've noticed too some of our other cas will share experiences then when something doesn't go well um because then you can also kind of identify those things that oh gosh maybe i maybe i've done that before and didn't even realize and then the okay. patient or practice member you know, is interpreting that um, not well, just like you have it as from an experience. So um, yeah, patient service internal is my go-to. I could do it all day long. And, and I was wondering, yeah, cause you, you just had read that book. I can't remember the name of the book though. You just said you guys had just finished a oh, book and then uh, you, yeah, I never, you know, I forgot what's going ahead. Yeah. But, but I was just going to say, um, and you took that book uh, and, and we're going to both try to, we're going to have brain farts. So I'm sure we'll, we'll figure it out that sometime, but um, <laughs> you did a little video in the, in the shifter CA talking about a little bit about what the book was about and then what you guys did to just kind of use those kind of uh, yeah. the templates from the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I think it's like never lose a customer again. I think it's called something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was an incredible book and we have gone through step-by-step. Step. We haven't implemented all of our changes yet because we found that we got overwhelmed very quickly. Yeah. Um, but we ha are starting to do things one by one. For instance, if a practice member starts and let's just say they see Dr. Hopper to begin with and um, they have not met Dr. Hansen yet, Dr. Hansen will send out a welcome video, a personalized welcome video looking into the camera with the patient's name um, addressing their chief complaints, just saying, I'm looking forward to meeting you um, and having basically a casual introduction. And we've gotten great feedback from it. Uh, and in fact, Dr. Hansen just experienced something just like it from an author that he just read who sent him a video response to uh, something that he had reached out about. And it was just such a great personal touch and it makes people feel special. So we've been kind of, you know, going through our whole patient flow rather practice number flow. I'm catching myself all the time now. Um, <laughs> and then just seeing out how we can heighten and elevate things. Mm -hmm. and, and just for the, you know, people always say, how do you do it? So, so just the technical, just strategy wise, like um, do they just uh, do a video and then they send it by email or how, how does that, how does that work? Yeah. What we do is um, I think, I think he just email or excuse me, videos are on his iPhone. Don't laugh at me. This is where I told you I'm not very technologically advanced. He just does <laughs> it on his iPhone 
And yeah. somehow he just texts us to the front desk the video. Um, and then we have a texting service that uses our appointment reminders called Zing It, but there are many appointment reminder systems out there. Yeah. Um, and then we have a template within the appointment reminder. We just paste the video in there and send it on its way. And, and the, all of our appointment reminders and um, our missed appointment uh, notifications are all very cheeky. We like them to be funny and kind of have the same vibe as us. So this one says, you know, like meet the other Dr. Dave. He looks forward to meeting you. Um, and there's something funny in there too. I forget what it is. But so yeah, we just send it on with one of those kind of um, interesting little leaders in our, through our tech service. Yeah, because in your office, then you have two chiropractors and they both see everybody, right? So it's just like, there's just, there's just the practice members of the office and then they can, they see either, either doctor, just a general thing, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. The only challenge to that is sometimes, I mean, ideally in a perfect world, you want them to meet face to face for both doctors, but sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't happen just because of practice flow. So we want that video to go out right away. Um, just so, and it's also, again, it's before the second visit. So it's helping solidify that initial experience. So not only did I get to meet with the initial doctor, Dr. Hopper, but this other doctor who I haven't even met knows what my chief complaint is, um, which you know is not, a, that's a conditions thing, but that's what, that's the stage that they're in right there. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, more then, they're at, right? Yeah. So then they're, you know, they're being met by two doctors and they're just feeling that much more special even before their second visit. Mm, that's cool. And, um, Let's go to the next thing is it, it, when you dealt with uh, in the past, maybe uh, challenges in the office, like say there's been extra stress or else like maybe something was done incorrectly or, or you got to, or, or there's some tension in the team or something like that. Um, have you had that before and how, how have you dealt with that? Um, of course I've had that before. <laughs> I know it's a trick question, but <laughs> everyone has. <laughs> there will always be conflicts, but I'm going to give one caveat first. Mm-hmm. If the tone is set, immediately upon hiring, you're going to have much less conflict. Like the tone is set as far as what your culture feels like, what things are acceptable, what things are not acceptable, and you're going to have much less conflict. So um, I just want to make sure that that's said because a lot of times we have conflict because we haven't set parameters, we haven't set tone. Um, you, culture comes from the top. Yep. So Dr. Dave and Kristen were very um, diligent about setting a certain tone and you know that you don't even have to define certain things because it's already kind of understood. So certain things just haven't happened within our four walls because we don't allow it. Um, that being said, it can happen from time to time. I think whenever there is any sort of conflict, um, the best thing to do is just kind of sit people down and hash it out um, with limitations. So you don't want it to become like a pity party or whatever. Um, but right. sometimes you just have to get a little uncomfortable and hash it out. And then sometimes you also just have to agree to disagree. Um, there's all sorts of times when Dr. Hansen and I think differently. He says that I blink a lot when when uh, <laughs> when I don't agree with what he's saying. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's great though, because because when you're talking with someone, paying attention to their physiology, because that will always yeah. tell like something's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's totally true. And apparently, I wear all of my heart like on my face, so I have no idea what my face is doing at the time. But yeah, so sometimes we don't always agree on things, but we're we're always going to figure it out. Um, so yeah. just having the patience with each other and also a perspective been you know, earned and developed, typically your agreements become less and less and they become smaller. I will say that if there's also any sort of major disagreement, um, you got to cut the disease out. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to sound horrible, but, you know, people can kill a practice very quickly. So getting rid of bad energy, um, I've done this historically with, with um, other practices, you just got to let it go. Um, mm-hmm. You're not doing anybody good and it's just going to hurt the business and frankly it hurts other, you know, your, your patients or practice members. So um, 
I know that's hard to rip off the band but sometimes you just have to do it. Well, and I think this is, this is something that's important is that there's a lot of chiropractors that we've talked to too, that know that maybe there's someone who's not ideal on the team right. and, and mm-hmm. maybe that might be creating some challenges through the rest of it. And, and then most chiropractors, cause a lot of them are amiable and they're coming from the heart and it's like, and, it, and it's so stressful to like, think of right. like letting them go, but maybe you can t- talk from from like the team members perspective, because sometimes actually the other team members are hoping that the leadership makes that decision because it's like, it's draining them. And we had an example before where we had one that we held on too long. And then when we finally, like just at the time when we got rid of them, the other one said, we're, we're almost going to leave because of that. Like back, back in the old days when I was first learning all about this stuff. So maybe just give a little example of that. Like, like, do you feel that as well? Like, like when, when that stress is there, and and what kind Absolutely. of advice could you give to those chiropractors? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Quit martyring yourself. Number one, like just you, I mean, if you want your practice to exist, you need to start taking care of it. And if yeah. you can't, then hire someone that can, right. um, that's, you know, get, if you're an amiable, then get a driver or someone, as long as you can get along, but yeah. you need it because, you know, and just like, I also need an amiable to work with because it softens me up, you know? <laughs> so, um, so it's important to have that balance, but yeah, things like that. And, I've had in a previous position, especially where we let someone go and it, um, it changed the entire team dynamic. And that's even subconsciously. Sometimes people don't even realize how miserable they're being made by someone else, you know? Right. So uh, letting that person go, it can just lighten up the entire, the entire team, um, whether they realize it or not. And sometimes they can't put words to it, but that's okay. You'll notice it as a leader. Yeah. Um, when the energy starts to change. So absolutely. If you can get rid of it, it's, it's super important. And I'm not saying to go on like a tirade and start, <laughs> you know, asking people. That's not my intent at all. We've had like almost no turnover in our clinic. We've had like one person that isn't with us. That's it. So yeah. we're really, you know, we're a tight knit group, um, but we are selective and we want, I, I don't want to go to my job. <laughs> I want to go to, you know, this, this office that happens to be a passion. That's what I want. And it's just non-negotiable. I'm, I'm willing to protect that vehemently. <laughs> and so is Dr. Hansen, even as an, uh, as an amiable. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, that's why I think, too, you, we, we need on team, we need multiple different personalities because we're all strong yeah. if we're balanced in our own traits, right? But it's just, yeah. it's just nice to kind of counterbalance each other. So let's, let's give some advice for some chiropractors out there because like there's chiropractors out there that might not have staff yet and then they're going to mm-hmm. hire their first staff or else there might be chiropractors that just need to get more staff because they might be understaffed. And, and what kind of advice or, or things that you go through in your mind when, when you know it's time to hire a new person and what kind of process do you go through? Um, I would first look at what, what kind of culture you're looking to cultivate. Um, mm-hmm. So we made the mistake once of, um, I think our ads were too dry and we were just getting drivel in for the applicants. And we know there's so many good people out there, right? Yeah. So uh, our ad was way too dry. Um, it didn't mirror what our culture is like. So I think looking at your culture is so huge. Now, if you're a, a more quiet office and, you know, you're looking for something just a little more serene and style-like, then I totally get it. You're going to want someone that kind of mirrors that and, you know, maybe it's quieter. We're not. We're upbeat. We like to have fun. Um, we do get work done. Don't get me wrong. We're not like all, you know, we don't play all day. But um, <laughs> we like to have a lot of fun while we do it. We like to get in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. So um, we changed our ad dramatically when hiring. And we'll say on a side note too, if you're not sure if you're going to hire, you need to hire. You waited too long probably. <laughs> you yeah. know, so if, you're, if you're still thinking about it, just do it. Because um, right. it will just pay for itself tenfold. Um, but yeah, changing your ad so it mirrors who you are. And make it, if you're a playful office, you need to make it egregiously pay- playful. Make it overtly playful. Because that's the kind of people that you will attract. 
And we, I mean, our, our people that were applying were just night and day. I mean, night and day when we changed how we worded things. Really? So it was, it was a really neat, um, and it's such a simple thing to do just to change it. But yeah, it was a huge difference. So you went like from an ad that was just more kind of like plain Jane, this is what we're looking for. And then right. what did you, did you put like humor, like kind of how you have your texts and stuff? Did you put some humor in it? And, and, and yeah, uh, we wanted a customer service ninja, a scanning guru. Um, we <laughs> said, you know, no, no boring people. We want excitement. You must love fast paced. You must love babies. You know, we just, you know, kind of, um, and we said, you know, we don't even need your resume. What we won't want most importantly is your cover letter. Um, because then also you can tell so much by a cover letter, right? You first thing can tell if they can write, if they can speak, right? If, you know, if they're, um, you know, if they can communicate, you know, what kind of skill set they have, pretty much fairly quickly within a cover letter. Um, although it is a little harder these days, because I think writing is um a little bit of a lost art, <laughs> right? But you can still get the sense of who they are. Um, so yeah, uh, we made it really just kind of fun and lively, and and then also. I cannot say enough about this. I used to be against this, so I will admit this, and Dr. Hans is going to give me a hard time because of this, but we do a group interview. Yeah. And I, first of all, as a candidate, I would never do a group interview. I would be horrible at it. Um, but I really love it now, even though I used to hate it. So what you do is you kind of have people come in, and all they do is learn about you. That's it. Right. So you get to see who comes in, see who comes in in their pajamas, first of all, because people do it, right? Who's chewing gum? And then you talk about what you're doing and then you watch faces, who lights up, who has questions, who's interactive. And then you have them fill out a questionnaire at the end and the questionnaire will have like basic math problems. So, you know, they're at least semi good with numbers. And then it'll have, you know, questions about who they are as a person, what their passions are. And then you're going to get more information out of them. Who writes with smiley faces? Who doesn't? You know, just, <laughs> and again, not that that is who you're going to want, right. but, um, or if you want someone that's much more firm, you can see it in their writing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the group interview is a great selection uh, or a selective process. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you do one-on-ones, obviously. Um, but for me, even though I hated the idea and was actually against it at the beginning, um, I have, I'm a convert. <laughs> <laughs> you switched. Well, and it's so, yeah, and again, yeah. if you think about efficiency of time, uh, we do, we do that as well. And, oh, and there's yeah. no, there's no faster way to just yeah. quickly figure out if they're even worthwhile uh, interviewing. Cause I know in the old days, when I would, we would do hiring before Brandy joined our team, we'd be setting up all half an hour interviews and like half the people don't even show up. And then you're just sitting around and you're like, oh my gosh. So th this way you can kind of tell beforehand. And if they're, if they're not going to show up, it's usually going to be to the group interview. And so that yeah. you can kind of tell. And, and I don't know why, but I, and I, was, I, I, was, I think we were at, um, we were doing a home show a little while ago and, and uh, someone came up and was asking us about chiropractic and I just really didn't tell them much extra about it because I don't know, but some people just portray the non follow through energy. Like they're, yeah. you can tell they're going to talk about stuff, but they don't really, they're just talking to talk, but they're not really willing to do that. And I think that's the power of being able to see them face to face in that group setting. So I think that's why those group interviews are amazing. Yeah. And energy is key. You can read so much about people just from the energy that they exude. You know, it's, it's either they're alive or dead or, I mean, it's not always that it's extremes, but you could just, you can just tell um, if you're aware enough to start kind of looking at those things. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I do, I, I hate to say it, but I think I was wrong about the group interview. <laughs> hey, that's, it's all about evolution, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was misled, not wrong. <laughs> totally. Um, and so, so when you go through training, I know you have checklists, but like, do you, mm -hmm. what, what other things do you do? Uh, do you have like a, like a three month plan and then checkpoints to see how they're developing or, or how do you go about training a new chiropractic system? 
Um, well, first of all, you need to get them under care. They have to experience the day, the day one and the day two or first and second visit. They have to experience it. Um, it's so important. And I would even go as far as to say that they need to stay in that care forever. If yeah. you find that you're sloughing off of care, you're going to lose that CA. You just will. You're going to lose them in some way or the other, whether it's through passion or did they actually physically leave, but you need to have them under care. Um, and then our training, what our, our checklist really, we go through multiple times. So I usually start by just going over the systems, what the software looks like. Actually, that's not true. I start with just the patient stuff, like the greeting, making sure they're greeting people. They've done their day one, day two. They um, just spend like the first several days just meeting people. Keep it nice and simple. Right. Um, and then at some point, I will get them into systems just so they can see what we're doing with the computer. Because half the time they're looking at the computer wondering what's going on. So I just give them an overview. Um, I go step by step, but it's just an overview. Then we go through the whole thing again, and I have them start playing with the mouse and doing stuff. And then I go through the whole thing a third time so they can actually start doing it themselves. Um, it's the repetition, I think, that's so important because there's so many moving parts. Um, but obviously, the patient part is the, is, excuse me, the practice number part is the most important part at the beginning, just getting them to see people, get their names, getting them comfortable with the vibe. They get to see how you interact with practice members. Um, mm -hmm. If you're bringing it back to the rooms or not, what they're doing when they're in the room. So just shadowing, shadowing, shadowing. I would also recommend that they shadow day ones and day twos um, that are not theirs. Right. So they're just shadowing existing pra uh, practice members because that's huge. And we're going to start doing this too where we just do that throughout the year, even as a seasoned CA. Um, I think it's a good idea to kind of see how the doctor's language has changed. Um, and it's a good way to kind of solidify our own language as CAs to kind of continuously shadow day ones and day twos. Well, and I think that's, that's huge because I know if, uh, if a chiropractic assistant has been at an office for quite a long time, and yeah. if the chiropractor is constantly evolving and mm -hmm. mastering their skills, the first visit and ROF, and ROF usually change quite a bit over yeah. time. And, yeah. uh, and so like we always highly recommend it just to go and, and, and actually, and I'll even just role play it. So we'll just have them and I'll just do it. I'll just, I'll just kind of talk what my, what my, my language is and role play in front of them because we always talk uh, in all of our programs about the, the, the chiropractic system is there to support what the, what the doctor has, has mm -hmm. made an agreement on and closed the loop, right? Cause then it's, it's supportive, yeah. but if they don't really know what's going, what they're saying in the room, it's harder for the CA to understand. Like it's harder for them to support the, the doctor if they're not sure what they're actually saying in the room. Absolutely. And I think you make a great point as far as how it changes. I mean, I, the changing, I, my, I know Dr. Hansen and Dr. Hopper have changed their language and I, I should change mine as well. I mean, it should never be the same. If I'm saying the same thing I did five years ago, I haven't grown and I haven't learned. So um, hopefully people are constantly evolving. That's cool. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, because Brandy always talks about, we, we always want our chiropractic assistants to be, to help them become better people. Because as you evolve as a human being, um, you become better at everything. You be better, you're a better mom, you're a better chiropractic assistant. So it's kind of like a double whammy where, uh, you know, if someone stays with us for, you know, six months or a year or, or 20 years, our goal is always to leave them better, like, mm -hmm. like more evolved than when we first found them. And I was just wondering, I know you've done a lot of personal development. I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey through personal development and some of the things that have been most impactful on your evolution. Oh gosh, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> She's like brings out the scroll, like all ten, twenty, like fifty things. Yeah, right. <laughs> I brought my therapist with me, so. <laughs> um, I okay, so I think prior to chiropractic, um, personal development was important to me, but I don't think I had any clue 
um, about how important it would become. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's partly because of what uh, physically chiropractic has done for me. Um, I really think that there's like a pre-chiropractic life and a post one. Um, my eyes literally opened once I started getting adjusted. I'm a completely different person. So I think because of that and because my physiology is different, um, I'm able to just see things in a totally different light. So um, as far as personal development, I think that I'm aware of it more now just because my lights are, are turned on really to some extent. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, we've done a couple different coaching programs. Um, I have to say what I love about the Vitality Shift, though, is because it focused so much on developing you. Um, and the other thing that I think is so fascinating is that if you ever, you know, there's all these coaching pro programs out there. And if you ever go to uh, come across one that says, like, you know, they know what they're doing, then you need to run the opposite direction because nobody stops learning, right? Nobody stops learning. Right. And what I love about, you know, the Vitality Shift is that, it's, you're always kind of talking about what didn't work, what did work, what, what's working now, what's not going to work. And that's, it's so important, that evolution. Um, you teach what you need to learn, right? right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's kind of one of my mottos. So when I am um, teaching, or excuse me, rather uh, coaching with um, employees, past or present, it's usually something that I myself need to also figure out. Um, so that's been a huge thing for me. Um, and also just listening, like, you know, that life whisper that brought me to chiropractic. I mean, who would I have been if I had listened to that whisper sooner? Right. You know, so, I mean, I, so I kick myself now. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be where I am exactly where I am right now, but, um, just becoming more aware of the things that, um, are important to me and my family and all my values has been a huge, um, a huge thing for me. And I try to work on myself all the time. And Dr. Hansen is also very supportive of that. I mean, gosh, I've come into my office. I was, I call them my office. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> I, good. I, I, you got to take ownership. Into, <laughs> I think that's amazing. <laughs> I've come into the office so many times, either in tears or laughing my head off because I've come to some sort of epiphany, you know, like where I realize that, you know, um, I, uh, I have no ailments, even though, you know, my doctor says I may or whatever. Like, that's a huge, it's like a huge paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And you get to experience it from the patient's eyes. And um, he's always so supportive of that, which is just great. God bless him. Because I don't know, I think if someone had come into my office like a raving lunatic, I probably would have told him to leave. <laughs> but he, he, he's, you know, he's always reading books on how to better himself and how to better our practice. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably the most important thing to to elevate your practice and to also um, help your practice members. You cannot serve others if you have not served yourself. You mm -hmm. just can't. And, and I just wanted to go back to that little, that point about chiropractic, your, your story under chiropractic care. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Like I know how you said you kind of were a little bit shut off and then now you're, yeah. it kind of helped to turn you on to like kind of listening to your inner knower. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience that way going through as a, as a practice member. Um, I feel like I was dead before chiropractic. I mean, I was not, I, I don't think I would consider myself a happy person. I wasn't then at least. Mm -hmm. um, I always kind of hid myself through humor and I still do that to some extent, but um, I was not who I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, just, I was not well. I had, I mean, I still have thyroid issues, but I'm getting off medication because of the chiropractic. Uh, it is, it's just been a game changer. When I first got adjusted, I actually felt horrible afterwards. Yeah. Um, I had uh, had a lot of concussions prior to um, me working here, just through soccer and all sorts of different head injuries. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this is ridiculous. But in any case, I remember when I first got adjusted, I actually felt 
all those concussive symptoms coming back. I felt I couldn't stop sleeping. Right. Um, but it was like I had exhaled for the first time in like 20 years. Wow. And I just knew I was going to be okay. And it was, it was like an epiphany. Um, Dr. Heidi Havoc, Havoc right? Uh, that, yeah. that book that she wrote. Um, Reality Check. She says, thank you, Reality yeah. Check. She has said at one point, it's as if someone starts to look through a different set of eyes when they start getting adjusted. And I thought that's exactly what happened to me. As soon as I started getting adjusted, I was a different person. And every belief that I had had was turned upside down. Every belief. I mean, just about who I could be what I say about myself, what I, you know, the power of my immune system and the power of my body and that everything is, everything's always right. If there's ever a symptom in your body, it's just because you're supposed to listen to it. That's it. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. You're supposed to listen to it. I mean, right. it's just like all these ideas that were exploding all the time. And that's why partly I would run into the clinic like a crazy person with these ideas of Dr. Hansen because I was so excited mm-hmm. about these things that I had never known to be true prior to getting adjusted. Did it feel kind of like before you were, like, as far as health was, you were kind of more powerless before. And then once you learned these things, you're like, whoa, I have way more impact yeah. or way more influence over my potential than I thought in the past. Well, you better believe it. I mean, I was Natasha with da 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 da. Like I was my diagnosis. Like that's, that's who I was. And everything that I did, oh, I can't do that because I have blah, blah, I mean, like yeah. all this garbage that I know now is complete crap. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to talk without cussing. You just cuss it <laughs> up. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just totally believe that. And now it's a completely different story. I mean, I just know that there's nothing I can't do. I mean, I'll give you an example. So I've been on thyroid medication. I've been hypothyroid for 30 some odd years, um, and significantly so. And I am now ha- at half the dosage, which is a huge thing. And it's, you know, it's going to take a while to get off of it because my body's been used to it for so long. Yeah. But I had people telling me that I was crazy, that I was going to hurt myself. Even loved ones that I had thought would be very supportive were telling me to expect to at least feel bad, um, to, you know, that it was dangerous. I mean, just things that I were really hurtful. Mm-hmm. But I just kept thinking, this is ridiculous. Like, I know if I, if I give my body the appropriate tools, I can do anything. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it sounds so ridiculous, but it's, I know it to be true in every ounce of my soul. And I just, yeah, it's, it's a complete game changer for me. And now I feel totally empowered where it becomes challenging though, as a CA, if you're as gung ho as I am, yeah, it's harder to connect than you have to really work hard to connect the dots between the, the practice member that is at point A when you're at like point Z. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's hard to relate and to marry those two and make it approachable and, and editable or edible rather for someone that's just kind of taking little bites. Yeah. Because it's like, kind of like we want to, we, we're always like having that bridge where we want to come across the bridge. You want to meet them where they're at, but then, yeah. but then not stay there. <laughs> Some people just stay yeah. there, but, but help to lead them back. But if you're just shouting from the other side of the bridge, it, you look yeah. like a, you look like a loony and people are like, what the hell's wrong with you? Right. Right. Totally. And that's, that's, that's unfortunately my go-to because I get really excited. Um, yeah. So for me, one of my um, areas for development is always just making sure that it's given in small proportionate bits of information that will be applicable to that person that used to be me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Now I get to, I get the, the fun part of, of the, the podcast Uh-oh. when I get to ask about the Terminator questions. So this will be <laughs> interesting because, Uh-oh. because the, the alive Natasha and then the dead Natasha, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you could travel through time back to maybe you're in your twenties or, or in your yeah. later teens or something, and you could give yourself some motherly advice, what, what kind of things do you think would be, would be, um, 
your younger self could have benefited from, from advice from you now? Um, okay. So my, my, my first like response to that is I wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that just because I wouldn't be who I am now. And I love that. I'm a huge believer that you can only evolve through struggle. Yes. And that struggle is your friend. So um, if I was forced to say something, I would say, get ready to struggle and just deal with it. You know, put your big girl pants on and just muck through it because, um, (laughs) because I don't, I really don't think there is an easier way. And um, I think it's the best way to grow. And it's funny, we have a, gosh, all these, I hate to say millennials, that's a bad word, but a younger generation, I find is much uh, less comfortable with um, not being comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. With the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not where greatness comes from, right? All the people that you see on TED Talks or that you follow or that you read books from, they never have an easy story. So if you want it easy, that's fine, but don't expect greatness, period. Right. Like it's just not going to happen. So um, yeah, I would prefer to not go to my younger self and say anything. I'd like to keep on trucking on, but because um, I like where I am now, but if I had to, I'd just say, yeah, just get, just keep going because it's just going to get better, you know? Well, I guess if your if your life just went so easy and everything went perfect, they'll never yeah. uh, do a movie about you when you pass away. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> be like I the most boring movie, movie ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't want a movie, but I just don't want to be stagnant. That's, That's for sure. Funny. I want to know that I've grown at least a little bit before I'm dead. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Well, in closing, I always like to leave the floor to my guests and, and just give uh, some words of wisdom. We have chiropractors out there. We have students who have chiropractic assistants they're all over the world. They're all at different stages of practice and some are struggling. You know, Some are just trying to get a little bit more inspiration when they're driving to work. What kind of uh, parting words of wisdom would you like to leave everybody out there with? I would say two things. Um, one is to connect. I think we are a society that is starved for real connection. And I don't mean, you know, like Facebook connection or Instagram connection. I mean, real human to human, face to face interaction. People want to be heard. And I think they're not just metaphorically, but they're physically dying to be heard and connected with. So um, the best way to increase your practice, to grow your practice, to start your practice is to just love on your people. Um, And it's, it's easier said than done. I mean, you really need to make a conscious choice to connect with people. That's huge. Um, and then the other thing would just be to, um, that culture comes from the top. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a problem with your practice, look at yourself, you know, and right. I mean, I've done that plenty of times where I look at myself and I realize, oh gosh, I've created the problems that I'm having. <laughs> so look at yourself, see, see what you want to have. If this isn't it, then change your behavior, change your expectations. And, um, I think the practice itself will change accordingly. Well, that's awesome. I think that's very good. Very good advice. Thank you. So, so um, I just want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the podcast. I really appreciate yeah. you sharing your wisdom so far. And, uh, and we, I really, I'm glad that we've attracted people like you and Brandy and all the people who aren't chiropractors into the profession. Cause I think that's how we really grow is by not, not having just our chiropractors, but having all the rest of the people in the profession too. So I really want to thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. And really, I, I can't say enough about this program because it's every day I, I just, my mind is blown about how many things I'd have to look at myself and how I have to grow myself. So it's um, really inspiring that you guys do it. And thanks for your time. You betcha. And uh, so everybody out there, I hope you got a lot of good stuff out of that. And until next time, keep shifting. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.